Hey everybody, and welcome to The Transect, an archaeology podcast about archaeology and and podcasting in BC. <laughs> I can't those keywords. Hitting those keywords. <laughs> about the, the SEO, the search engine optimization. That's what I'm here about. That's I'm one of your hosts. I'm I'm the host that's Cody Heward. Uh, welcome to the show, everybody. It's season two, episode one. We're back in. Are it. you recording? Yes, Sean. Oh, this is called the, John, I can't John, hear anything. This is the intro. This is not the intro. This is a, the podcast that we do? Nothing is record. <laughs> Sean is having a very Sean, hard time. Sean, you have to plug phone. your headphones in. <laughs> they are plugged in. <laughs> All right. Wow. Hello, and welcome to the transect. This is season one. Season two. Season two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one job. Wait, am I? Can, <laughs> can you guys hear me? Like, am I LinkedIn? I'm Why on, are you asking me? I don't have headphones on. I'm on LinkedIn. LinkedIn's like a thing, right? <laughs> that you're on LinkedIn, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. I think oh, we're friends. Is, no, I'm in. I'm in. We're good. <laughs> You're good? Okay. We can put music over this. We should put music over this. Why didn't we put music over this? Hello, everyone. We will. I'm doing the intro for it. Hello. <laughs> it's me. It's your old pal, Cody. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> welcome back. It's been too long, or maybe not long enough. Yeah. I'm leaning towards the ladder. There's Sean at my side here. Sean P. Connaughton's live. <laughs> Season two. Let's do it. He's untangled from the untangled. I, I, I got all the wires untangled. He's fully connected now. A little bit of behind the pod action for you, uh, transect heads. Uh, it has been a nightmare setting this thing up, um, and our our guest, who I will let Sean introduce in one second, has been so extremely patient. Sean, can you thank Tia for being so patient? Yes, I, I really want to. I want to welcome Tia Williams to the show. Welcome, Tia. Tia has been a long time listener. Is that right, Tia? Correct. And she really, we thought she'd be an interesting uh, interviewee because she has such an eclectic background that we really wanted to have her voice come out to the show. Um, come and so, Tia, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Very welcome. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Yeah. So, one of the things we like to do with the transect, as we told you uh, when we did this the first time and then that recording failed and we lost everything. I remember that. That was horrible. That was earlier today. It, it feels like years ago. We had to ask about origin stories, and so uh, we understand that you worked in archaeology. Uh, could you would you share with us the story of uh, archaeology and you? How did you get to archaeology, and then where did you go from there? Well, one day, excuse me. Sorry, I'm go ahead. Yeah, a sorry. Conversation. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, it was all random that random turn of events and oh sorry um i was in desperate need of a job after two months of unemployment walked into the band office i said oh we're having uh interviews in 15 minutes i can get you in for the first the first interview so i walk in there's a lineup of people i had no idea what archaeology was and i just sat down with I believe Rob Rob Camisso and he was at the band office. He, they were sitting in the band office waiting for all of these people to interview, and I just sat down. I was like, "Here's my resume." What was on your this. resume? You had your what resume with on, you. you were... Yeah, I just well, I emailed it, and I was like, "Hey, yeah. let's print it off. Do it. Let's yeah." Do it. Nice. Sat down. What was on my resume? A whole random mix of things. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Oh yeah, I was a locksmith. Oh yeah, I did this. I did that." Wait, you were yeah. were you a locksmith? Oh yeah, I was an apprentice locksmith. No way. I never knew that. Really? Uh, yep. Wait, before we get into archaeology, what? How, how do you apprentice locksmithing? You work with a master locksmith. And I, I also got that randomly. And so, like, are you uh, getting 
locks to like practice on? Yes. Is this person giving you like all these different styles of yes. locks? Well, then... if I'm not, because I worked in a shop, so it would be like building managers would come in and they'd be like, here, I need you to do this. I need to rekey. I need to do all these things. And mm. um, so in this, if I wasn't helping, I was picking locks or I was like building locks or like, like, that. like a cat burglar? Could you be like a like cat, <laughs> like cat woman? Well, yeah. Could you like no, I'd, break in the places? I prefer to be Batman. Oh. I watch a lot of YouTube videos about uh, lock picking. Yeah. And they do like the speed runs. Do you have a favorite type of lock? Uh, <laughs> this is William. Lock track. That's okay. We'll get back. Welcome to the lock yeah. cast. <laughs> yeah. Wait. Padlocks. Padlocks. Cam locks. No, no. None of that. The classic pin and it's, tumbler. It's just a party trick at this point. So yeah. Moving yeah. on. Okay, so <laughs> locksmith was on your resume. That was step one. Then you, to archaeologist. You did the interview with the archaeologist, and they yeah. said at the band office, they're like, "Oh yeah, project starts in two weeks." So I called. Two weeks went by, and I was calling up. Like, When's it starting? Yeah. Why aren't we doing this? Yeah. And I think like eight weeks went by. Yeah. Like, oh, That's yeah, typical. We finally got all the permits. <laughs> yeah. And walked on a site, had no idea. See, <laughs> had no idea what was I mean I, I kind of got the hang of it right away and just walking on the site was it was very interesting yes I just to, like finding out related to so many different people that were there and so so backdrop this was this was a project at Glen Rose Cannery in St. Mungo and there was over seven First Nation communities that were involved with it and as you're about to, to talk about you actually it was a place where you sort of kind of found relations and sort of reconnections to other members is that true from across the lower mainland yeah one just through conversation like oh are you related to so-and-so yeah that's my auntie oh we're cousins and then we go back and direct lineage is made and Mm -hmm. all of a sudden i've got i've inherited all these aunties and uncles on site and in turn they just would take to that and teach me things yeah, because that's, that's interesting. We talk about archaeology. We do work in consulting archaeology, and sometimes you get tied down to the nuts and bolts, and you're looking at profiles and all these things. But that was something that was really unique about that project, was seeing sort of these relationships get played out in the field and these connections that were happening. It was actually somewhat powerful for a lot of people. Yeah, it was, it was like a field school. I think that was the point of SFPR was to integrate a field school for people like me and mm-hmm. it it worked it was it was awesome yeah you got hooked you're in you're really good you were really great out there it was in, it became intuitive at a certain point after recognizing and knowing places mm-hmm. i didn't know anything um particularly ancestral related but i knew where everyone fished i knew where everyone hunted and gathered at least some at some point or another mm-hmm. and just tying it all in i mean we were working at saint mungo and you could stand at a certain point and you could see straight down the river. Mm-hmm. It zigzags. But at that point, you can see straight down. And what did, I think Wayne, Wayne Point actually came back to us with the place name of it. And that's what it was. Mm-hmm. It was like, I, oh, why am I forgetting? It was right something now? so simple. Sequetson. No. Sequetson, right? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. 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 So, so these are things as you're on site and there's always downtime during the day. Yeah. And these conversations are happening amongst all these people yeah. with all this knowledge. Yep, lunch and break. <laughs> and then you're there. How, how long did this project go on? Uh, it was supposed to be three months, and I think it was about two and a half years. Yeah, that's right. Wow. Yeah. Classic archaeology project. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was. Yeah. That's great. 
everyone waited we thought it was going to be like six to eight weeks and Mm -hmm. then it ended up lasting (laughs) over two years (laughs) yeah you know well we're when you start digging in a graveyard you have no choice but to Mm -hmm. go Mm -hmm. back to the architects and have them redesign a bridge for you and yeah (laughs) (laughs) oops we found another graveyard so i think it's time to redesign yeah it was months and months of that a lot of ancestral remains because you're in two major village sites that go back 5,000 years. And yeah. it was also consulting with seven different nations. That's in right. In the beginning, the protocol wasn't set properly. So it was like, oh, we have to wait for approval and mm-hmm. see. And like, I, I I never actually dealt with SFPR myself. I was never on that project. But like the fallout of SFPR has has been like pretty monumental too like like since that project people like i know some nations have revisited their ancestral policy remains or sorry uh, their ancestral remains policies sorry mm-hmm. uh and it's it's been like it was a real learning ground for a lot of things for a lot of people as well it's, it sounds like yeah what do you think tia i'll let you feel that uh it was a learning experience for me <laughs> entirely i'd never dealt with ancestral remains before that point yeah so. Um, but it became one of my favorite things to yeah, there, dig there, up. Yeah. yeah, and we followed a lot of protocol. People were Tummuth, and people were like, we, yeah, we did a so lot of burnings. Yeah, that's the part that I understood was the traditional ways. Mm-hmm. So when something was found, like I knew the seriousness. I knew what was to happen. Yeah, and it's like, the, it, it, that's really important to have on site because a lot of times there is just, you know, I don't know. You, you you might be out with somebody who is is not maybe aware of that, and like, sure as shit, I am not usually aware of like the exact correct protocol to be following. So it's like it's really important to have yeah that kind of perspective on site. Well, and the communities you should speak to this too, Tia. But like, they were really willing to teach people who weren't culturally knowledgeable. So like, when there was prayers or there was food offerings, even the way you carried your body i remember mike leon coming up to me i had my hands crossed over my chest when there was a prayer going on i remember he like pulled my hands down mm-hmm. just to not cover my heart if there's good words there's all these kind of things that people were willing to share and just yeah. teach you how to like behave and how to interact and i always found it, it was like a field school because the community members and then the archaeologists and we, everyone eventually became archaeologists it matter like who their affiliation was it was sort of in that kind of that spirit where people were coming together yeah it was an interesting group to have in the best way possible because you had archaeologists you had um, indigenous people from these communities who were already so well versed in what they were doing then there was people like me who had absolutely no clue Mm -hmm. but it just sort of fell into it and I just kind of hit the ground running because it was it just once I figured it out I got it and kind of ran with it we have a high aptitude so (laughs) (laughs) Um, and once you started it was just the, the project was going and going and going like yeah, that. yeah. But what I meant to say was having, like, quote unquote, elders, people with all of that knowledge and knowledge keepers, they were, like you said, teaching us how to behave mm-hmm. and what to do, what not to do. And if we need a brushing off ceremony or something like that, mm-hmm. it, that was important. And that was incredible to see, you know, like 40 people getting brushed off at once and mm-hmm. everyone respecting and going with the protocol. Mm hmm. Yeah. And so you, you kind of haven't stopped at, at an archaeology job. You've kept going and uh, are no longer in the archaeology business. How did you get to where you are now as, uh, uh, w- what was the name of the, the, sorry, I forgot the name of the position. I'm an asshole. Uh, the well, Union of BC yeah. Indian Chiefs. Why don't you recut it? Just say it. Union of yeah. BC. Yeah. The Union of BC Indian Chiefs. 
so after archaeology, it was on and we were at SFPR for about two and a half years yeah. or so. And between then, I just always on the side had different businesses going. So it was always in entertainment. <laughs> and You don't want to talk about L.A.? I, I don't know how to integrate that. I, L.A. is to me like, you know. Pa- Paris is Paris is to Hemingway what LA is to Tia. It's Tia. super random that that <laughs> even occurred. Like all of these <laughs> things that happened in between are just so fucked up. Like, I want to get back to awesome. the, the locksmithing. <laughs> <laughs> it's come in handy. You have no idea when where I'm on like traveling. People are like, oh, so I hear you can pick locks, and like someone's luggage is all jammed. Yeah, so they're I come to the rescue, or you know, my I just cut through with executive director, her cabinet is jammed. It's like, oh, I heard you were a locksmith. <laughs> I'm like, you were in my interview. You Good you know this. That. You read my resume. <laughs> <laughs> like, but you went. So you went to LA immediately after. The yeah, I think it was project. about 2013. I we were down there on and off. Actually, we're on and off for uh, about a year, but hmm. it's working with producers and studios all the time, and lots of crazy things happened. And I had to come back for just family things, and that's usually been the the reason why I've made such drastic decisions is based on family coming back home and I have to take care of someone or Mm -hmm. people have to take care of me or something like that happens and um, but you started doing work in the community too weren't you yeah so what happened was LA and then I came back and the community had this grant for indigitization at the Museum of Anthropology which is different grants that are given to communities who have different forms of say cassettes vhs um things much older than that as well that (laughs) need to be digitized and available for the community so i took this week course and then went back and we had oh my gosh a territory mapping project that occurred through the 90s and it was a recording of all of our elders who have since passed on and they were sharing our language of hunkaminam and just different place names and things like that and it was my job to record the metadata yeah Mm -hmm. listen to every single second of those tapes and figure out and most people would there some people were like you know that's the most boring sounding job ever and i was like you know what my grandma's on here yeah i haven't i haven't heard my grandma for like 12 years i was like some of this shit had me crying listening to some of these elders because i knew them growing up and it was so cool just to listen to them this isn't just random data entry yeah this is this is personal it was our community and it was yeah it's a touchstone i mean i mean we can't relate to that and i and that's hard for us but that must be like really powerful for you to sort of it was it was really cool at the time um our band office didn't have a lot of space so they put me in the last remaining space possible which was in our elder center Mm -hmm. so i had a lot of interaction with people who were popping in all the time that wanted to you know check in what was going on what was that what i was looking at and things like that um but it was kind of i guess validating to hear certain things like just to know that oral history did have some truth to it like there it it was it was validated in Mm -hmm. its own right Mm -hmm. like seven different elders were ex- asked the exact same question throughout i don't know over the course of a month or something and they all had the same response just yeah. in their own way like they were asked uh, something about a place name or about mm-hmm. a place like do you remember this 
transformer stone mm -hmm. and they all had the same answer from when they were children all the consistent points were all there uh, yeah, yeah it was very consistent that's throughout. so cool yeah, yeah and that was the cool part about it so when people would say to me like oh that sounds so boring i was like no this is the shit that keeps us alive <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and when you get the opportunity to dedicate yourself to listen to all of those tapes back to back to back yeah, I mean, it did get a little, some of it was really dull because it wasn't always them speaking. It was just anthropologists talking. Yeah. No, sorry. We, we, we apologize. We'll apologize for all the... Uh, oh, really? So uh, tell me, uh, how do you... Uh, yeah. Do you remember this rock? Yeah. Let's just, yeah. Now, the, this, now this, was, this was... I remember this was going on. You were talking about this. Is this what kind of like encouraged you maybe to go to university? Because you did... Shortly after, didn't you enroll at Langara? Is that... Yeah, that was, yeah, that's exactly what I did after. My mom really pushed it. She was, every time she would see people from uh, from SFPR, she's like, make sure Tia goes to school. She needs to do this. And your, mother, <laughs> and your, and your, and your mother is Maybelline, right? Uh, Mabel. I'm sorry, okay, Mabel. Uh, Sean's just like, he's privy to Maybelline. Sweet Maybelline. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I went, it was great. What'd you take? Well, how was that experience for you? Here, um, well, here you were. You were with a bunch of nerdy people doing archaeology and people like, you know, with all the buffoonery that goes with having degrees. Because, you know, we've talked a little bit about that. Just degrees don't mean really anything lots of times. Mm -hmm. You can have idiots that have degrees. But what did you take from the university experience? Or what, what did you like about it? Well, initially I went for Aboriginal studies. And those courses were amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, not to brag, but I ended up on the dean's list for every semester I was there. But oh, I didn't yeah. hey! the thing is, I'm just I didn't I don't I'm, I don't like academics. Like I just don't like school. I don't mm -hmm. like having to submit papers on things. But the one thing I really did enjoy was being able to cite oral history. Like mm. that was probably the coolest part. Was mm -hmm. you know, that sounds familiar? That's, that's our truth. Yeah, yeah. That is, yeah, that's true. That's what happened. It was. So that that was good, but then went off to do some study abroad, and that was a whole another turn of events. Yeah, you but went to you went to Europe. Yeah, yeah. So where did, where did you go? Art history and architecture throughout. Like, we started off in Italy, so we went to Rome, Florence, and Venice, mm -hmm. and we were driving throughout. I had no idea about. I don't know anything about art history, mm -hmm. but then again, I just threw myself into it. Did it. And then we traveled to Switzerland. So we went to Zurich for a bit, studied some art. And then we went up to Paris. And then we finished off in London. Mm -hmm. So we just... Sweet. Full course in art history and architecture. <laughs> the, 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 it was the, overwhelming and it was awesome all the, at the same time. The three time. places Europeans love most. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but does that... I, this is a silly question. I don't even know if this is a good question. But did that... By experiencing those other cultures and that other art, did it somehow, I don't know, reaffirm maybe the art and the culture from where you come from? Or just did it help you get a sense of identity? Just that kind of juxtaposition? Yeah, entirely. Learning about the counter-reformation, the Baroque era, just like when they had to go and spread the word of God over <laughs> here. I was like, oh, great, the Jesuits are here. <laughs> <laughs> it all makes sense now. Okay. But uh, it it was... It was pretty powerful in its own right, having it, it very structured and like we had to, I, I was, I 
kind of never really learned much about religion because both of my parents had a negative experience in Catholic schools. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother did not go to residential school, but some of her older siblings and my grandparents both did. And my mm-hmm. father was German Croatian, but he still did go to Catholic school. So they mm-hmm. did experience mm-hmm. that. And so religion just was something I was oblivious to. And it was a big crash course. In yeah. The big JC. Yeah. Big <laughs> and, 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 and the, 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 hot, the 12 JC and the magical 12. Is that yeah. what they call them? Oh, who calls Jesus the magical 12? Like, no, the, like it's a pop. Yeah, like a punk band. It's like a JC. It was oh. just funny being oh. like in the, in the Vatican. I'm like, oh, there he is right there. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> the man, the legend. You think yeah, like, who painted, who, who painted the Vatican ceiling? Michelangelo? Oh my God. Sean. Leonardo? Who? That's the Sistine Leonardo Chapel. Oh, that's Sistine Chapel. <laughs> Sorry. I always Archaeology just, podcast. I, I always thought like Michael, is it, it's Michelangelo, right? Michelangelo, yeah. It, it, did he pay, he paid the Sistine Chapel? Yeah. Do you ever think he like went in there? Is like hand and yeah. The, he's like, I would have just put a bunch of dicks. Yeah. <laughs> spray paint. But yeah. What, yeah spray paint. But what about like the crampage of the neck? Yeah. Oh, yeah, what's with that? Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. I know. Yeah. I know, like looking up all the time. Yeah. Mm. Or is it Da Vinci? I don't know my artist. Let's, let's stop there. Let's start to see. I've really shown my <laughs> ignorance here. <laughs> well, wait, we can we can do like a Mad Lib style where I say, "Who painted uh, the Sistine Chapel? Chapel?" Yeah, leave a space, and then we'll insert. <laughs> oh, that's what we got to do. Yeah, we'll 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 make ourselves appear intelligent in post. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah, a good. Yeah. Post is post is key. <laughs> Actually, I had a question and I just I just lost it. So. You, you blasted up, and this was like you were visiting major sites that uh, this program considered, mm-hmm. like, these are like European culture capitals, and the art history and architecture were like the, the focus points, and you're just going all yeah, the way yeah. up. It must have been, like, was there a point where it was just, like, overloaded with, like, this? At some points, there was. Um, yeah. We didn't, we spent, like, two weeks in Rome, two weeks in Florence, so it was... That's a long time. It well, there's a lot to see there. Yeah. I mean, they are packed. Like, you could easily fill that. Yeah. Yeah. So our days were quite full, and we would just spent a lot of time in churches and cathedrals, and mm-hmm. which was I found incredibly fascinating, because com- I, most of what my work was about when we were doing all of our assignments there was comparing it to West Coast mm. indigenous people oh, were you? And, our, and our death rituals and things like that and our respect for the dead and mm-hmm. different ceremonies that we'd have and the contrast in just how they treated their dead, say like the, the catacombs in Paris, mm-hmm. just yeah. digging up all those bones. And I mean, some people are freaked out i'm sure none of us are terrified of bones but i mean <laughs> you know some people are really grossed out by it but i was in completely fascinated and mm-hmm. having that background in archaeology knowing what i was looking at and yeah just uh, how how they just decided like oh we're running out of space let's dig them all up and that's that yeah mm-hmm. call it a day yeah <laughs> but i mean if you're indigenous people were to do that it's a completely different story well that's right? kind of interesting about it is you're looking at now you're l- looking at people that's probably more related to our heritage in the place and seeing how they're being disposed of <laughs> underneath the city mm-hmm. and these different conceptions come up like working too like you'll have uh, people who aren't in the west coast indigenous culture mm-hmm. trying to to explain their 
ideas of what ancestral remains mean to them and then trying to apply it to everything mm-hmm. it can be mm-hmm. it can be a point of conflict mm-hmm. where there's just not that understanding yeah without that traditional knowledge mm-hmm. um, so there was there was that with the with i guess the deceased but then there was also the form and function of the architecture that we'd come across mm-hmm. such mm-hmm. as um, like in Greek or Roman they have what we would have as a house post so it's a decorative but it also has a, a function so it was kind of relating those back yeah. and forth and that was redeeming that's kind of interesting house posts that's, yes that's cool. it's so yeah. fascinating mm-hmm. I'd li- I never even considered like the parallels so, so not so until I got there I didn't even notice it so actually <laughs> I noticed it because there's like the fluting on posts fluting on posts on the west coast and it's like what is mm-hmm. that again mm-hmm. we can edit to some posts like what's the type of column uh, with the f- it's like cor- Corinthian no 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 because that all has to do with the caps like Ionic no I don't know we'll figure it out later but it's very similar like there's these preserved houseboats on the west coast like Kihin the National Historic Site has this beautiful preserved fluted uh, houseboat and it's underneath a nursing tree mm-hmm. uh, and it just reminds you so much of like this Grecian column mm-hmm. it's crazy mm-hmm. hmm yeah, there's a lot of cool similarities. Like, mm-hmm. I remember being, uh, we traveled throughout Italy and um, Switzerland. Finally, when we got to France, I had a free day. So what did I do? I went to the Anthropology Museum. And yeah. they had a really cool uh, display. Like, you would walk through, basically, the the globe. So it would start out in, I guess... The Fiji Tonga area. Oh, right. <laughs> so, you go right, through, right. so you walk through and you go through Asia and you go through the Americas and everything. So you go through each, um, how would you say, just cultural geographic zone? Yeah, basically. And the first time I, that was the first time I'd ever seen a West Coast or just anything from North America outside of North America. Yeah. I was like mm-hmm. kind of in awe. To see a totem pole from, you know, like Bella Bella. Or yeah. Like there's Kokwakiwa stuff. Yeah. In France. It was kind of sad. Yeah. yeah. That was taken away and yeah. put there. Yeah. Yeah. And just the context that everything's put in as well. Like in the British Museum, you go through all of these incredible exhibits. Like you see the Egyptians and you see everything else. Mm-hmm. These, oh my gosh. Like the Greek part. What is it? The, the, the Elgin, the Elgin the marbles Elgin, yeah. and everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. Those weren't Elgin's marbles. Like, they're (laughs) real. (laughs) So so I remember (laughs) finishing through the museum, and you see just basically North American Indians, all their stuff. And it's just in these boring glass cases, and you kind of just walk through. And I stopped and looked and saw all these, um, like, cedar-woven things. There's a Bentwood box. There's all these really cool things that are placed there. And... It just says they did this, they were here, this happened, and mm-hmm. that's it. And it was sort of like we don't exist anymore. How, yeah, how did it make you feel to see that? To be from this place here in, in the Lower Mainland and to go over there and see that? To know that it's such a strong, diverse, powerful people that are just up and down the West Coast. Mm-hmm. And to have, the conversation could be changed. Like one of the topics that we discussed in, in our class was... Um, the repatriation mm-hmm. of things like they need to be repatriated they need to come back home blah 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 but I think it's more like they, just the conversation needs to be changed like in what way what, what kind of like conversation like we still exist uh, 
Yeah, we're that, not that, like a people of the past. Yeah, yeah. You uh, showed a perseverance and resistance, and they're still existing to this day. Yeah, yeah. And renegotiating that it narrative, just felt like right? Colonization was still very real. Yeah. So you, it yeah. just that definitely wasn't coming across in those displays. Like there yeah, was no mention of contemporary culture on mm. the West Coast. Well, not from what I remember is and. I mean, we have the Museum of Anthropology at UBC, and it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just to go from that to something like the British Museum, mm-hmm. it's so different. Yeah, it's so different. Like I like pulling the the, the drawers. Like you'll go through uh, traditional artifact types, and then you pull the mm-hmm. next drawer, and it's uh, t-shirts from the seventies. And then the next drawer, like it's all mixed together, and it's mm-hmm. all like uh, past and present mm-hmm. together as like one culture area. Are you talking about at MOA? Yep. Okay, not yeah. the British Museum. Yeah. No, this is at MOA. <laughs> yeah. no, the Elgin's the T-shirts. Yeah. But I don't imagine that this is like it's not being presented in the same way. Um, no, not at all. But We're, it's an yeah, it's an interesting like it's an interesting kind of setup because they have you know sent all of their their colonial uh, like their missionaries across. And the descendants of, of the people who have come across are, are now, like, interacting with this, like, colonialism. But they are at a distance, like, that is, like, arm's reach enough that they don't have, they're not, like, forced to have these same conversations. Because they're like, oh, yeah, we kind of sent some people over there. And they did, like, terrible, terrible things. But we're over here, so we're fine. And it's, you know, we'll just keep doing our thing without really considering colonialism. It's like, is, do you, do you guys feel like colonialism is more only like, considered in the Americas, like in places where it happens? Or do you think, I don't know, as someone who doesn't spend a lot of time in Europe, I don't know if like that is even a conversation that ever happens oh. over there. Oh, you mean, do you think Europeans talk about this? Yeah, Europeans like living in Europe, are they like concerned about the effects of colonialism in the same way that people living in America are? And decolonizing like the... Exactly, yeah. I don't think they were as affected. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, there's all kinds of indigenous groups out there, but but that's the same. That's a that's a huge question. Sorry, too big, too big. Reeling it back. No, that is it's well, interesting. Well, um, go ahead, Tia. I remember walking through. I think it was in Paris, Le Marais. Mm-hmm. Butchered that, but <laughs> walking through some trendy shops, I remember turning a corner and I saw just a little boutique that had Dreamcatchers and like buckskin whatever and like teepees inside Mm. and then the glowing red neon sign and like beautiful script was a store name and it was redskins oh that's that's sensible yeah it sounds sensible right (laughs) and just looking i was i was just like oh really so I immediately Googled it and I figured out it was a world famous DJ from America who doesn't have the store here it's only in Europe because you can he can get away with a that. Profit. Yeah, mm, weird. Yeah, that is weird. That I is don't know if it still exists, but that was yeah. what year we're in. We're in twenty eighteen, so three years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. no. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is. There always. I feel like. Yeah, I mean, there's that disconnect. There's that otherness going on, and and and. I mean, but I see this in the southeast. It just as mm-hmm. even though we're still in North America, because. Uh, you know Andrew Jackson, who Donald Trump really likes, and the Indian Removal Act in the 1830s, and and, and just the displacement of of communities like Cherokee, Choctaw, Chickasaw, a bunch of communities that were moved, you know, moved west. Um, people, people, because it's not present, it's not in their face. They don't see it, or they don't know the history. It's just mm-hmm. something that's just other, maybe unique and niche, and they don't really understand the gravity when they behave this way, or they promote stores this way, or they showcase. 
these belongings that way in museums, right? Mm-hmm. It's just it's, it's not present, so people just out of sight, out of mind. Sometimes I'm not trying to excuse it. I just think it's no, basically that the, that's the feeling. Yeah, it's a feeling, the right? That I got while being in museums over like abroad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now in London, we'll change it up. Uh, this actually ties into Cody. You took a famous picture at a bar where Tom Hardy was. Um, what's that movie that you like so much, Cody? You always talking Legend. about that movie. Legend. Cody, Cody is always talking every about every time Tom, we have pod. Every like, time, the first half an hour. Yeah, my favorite was, thing in the we world. We have to cut it out every time. Yeah, we always edit it. Talking about a, a the movie <laughs> Legend with Tom Hardy. <laughs> Soft spot. Tom Hardy plays twins. Twins. Was, uh, twins. Yeah, well, that's how Cody is. Like every pod, we edit it. Yeah, I'm like guys. Can we just take a sec to talk about Tom Hardy's groundbreaking role in the movie that I said earlier that I still remember the name this of? This is for at sure. least the third time he's been mentioned on this podcast. Like, yeah, uh, the, the one with George. Have Tom Hardy came up with George. It came yeah. up with the end of season one. Like uh, Tom Hardy should be on this talki- show. Why are we talking about Tom Hardy with George? I'm not even sure who Tom Hardy is. <laughs> Tia knows. Because you were talking about getting people... Uh, uh, sorry, Tia. This is your podcast. But Cody wants to go back to Tom. It's ours. It's, our, it's ours. You were talking to George about making archaeology interesting to the masses. And you wanted to make a movie starring... Tom Hardy. Yeah. Mm, mm-hmm. I thought that was because he was good as Bane in the Batman movie. <sighs> Did you like him as Bane? Je ne sais pas. Never saw it. Mm, okay. And we've sort of been exploring Tia's background she sort of has this eclectic experience with sort of that always kind of ties into her identity but in in some level anthropology and archaeology where you are now you're working for the union of bc indian chiefs do these different experiences um do they help bring some knowledge to your role there Yeah, yeah i refer to everything that I did because it was about two and a half years of straight field work Mm -hmm. and working with these people so closely and learning all these different I don't don't know how to say just just different things just how to just field work in general taught me so much so I apply it to a lot of what I do now yeah I mean you were talking about oral knowledge earlier when you're working in your community and sort of going through hearing your grandmother and all these things I mean that is a viable source of knowledge like uh, me, like you have, you can have Western science knowledge, which which we're immersed in as well as you. But 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 having indigenous and cultural knowledge is still very powerful, and 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 and, and on the same level, I don't think one's higher than the other necessarily. Like people always like to talk about Western science, you mm-hmm. know, trumping sort of like indigenous knowledge. But that's not what it's about. These experiences and in, the, in, in this sort of intangible way of learning has contributed to this new role for you. Yeah, it, when I walked into UBCIC and toured through our library mm-hmm. I saw a couple books that were already there that tied into my experience at Langara. I was sitting in one of my classes and the teacher said okay we're gonna do sort of like a book report and everyone gets to choose a chapter so you and your partner choose a chapter and um, it was was it Chris Arnett <gasps> oh the same the, 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 you know that Terror of the Coast there's yeah. two houses half buried in sand and Terror one. of the Coast yeah so um, my partner chose a random chapter and it happened to be on this um, chief from Cooper Island called Hakalikston. It, it was sort of like a it felt like everything was coming together when my teacher gave us that chapter it Hakalikston 
was my grandmother's great grandfather. Hmm. So we got to write a report, a little book report on my great great grandfather. And a few years before that, I think it was probably like 2008 or 2009, my mom gave me this book for my birthday. And it was two houses half buried in sand. I'm like, oh, great. Another book. Cool. Bookmark into this page. I open it and I was just like, oh, my God. This photo that was in the book was of this woman that I'd seen a photograph of her. I'd seen my entire life hanging in my grandmother's house. And I only knew it as like Mary Rice was hanging in my grandmother's house. And as it turns out. Chris Arnett wrote a book about her. Yeah. Wow. That's wild. Yeah. And so Mary Rice was a, she was a midwife and a storyteller on Vancouver Island. In so those, those type of events sort of just always tie in and they always pop up wherever I am. Yeah. So my mom gave me that book back in 2008. I'm in school and my teacher gives me this book. And we write about my great, great, you know, mm-hmm. my ancestor. And then yeah. I walk into the UBCIC and we have these books in our library. And I'm just like, okay, I guess I'm meant to do what I'm doing. It's like full circle. Yeah. It's coming around. Yeah. yeah. It's like a path. It's like lighting your way. Yeah. Sorry. Much. Is that too, is that too, po- that wasn't poetic no, like enough. Like it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. Would, do, do you have advice for like young people? What, what I've heard recently was just from different relatives because I've always asked a lot of questions yeah (laughs) and what I've heard is that the generation that I'm in is people are now more willing to learn but I guess it's just just ask questions because you will never know and a lot of our our history is not recorded or it's untold and that's the only way that you can pass it on so just ask questions do you is there a value in archaeology that helped you that there's something that you found valuable by doing that exercise there is value in knowing where you come from because then you sort of know where you're going and you have a platform to go from i think bob barley said that he did didn't he did yeah, he, he did, did say he that. was the buffalo soldier he was <laughs> <laughs> that's the but it's true yeah it is right? yeah if it, you know where you come from then you know where you want to go or where you don't want to go yeah that also explains why i feel so anxious all the time and have no idea what i'm you don't doing know, you don't know where you come from Cody. not really <laughs> there is ancestry.com yeah <laughs> hmm appear to be mostly neanderthal yeah wow <laughs> wow 80%. what am i gonna do with that 80 percent. 80 percent. huh and then florensis for some reason yeah, yeah. so some homo florensis Floresiensis in there too. That's a hobbit. I guess I should move to a cave and start hunting little tiny deer. Yeah. Well, I, I actually, I, I really like that answer to you because I think it kind of rounds it up. You sort of from knowing now, sort of your past and knowing your history, and then all these kind of new adventures where you know doing some ethnographic work, even traveling overseas to Europe. There seems to be this thread that connects you from your history, but also lights a way for where you're going. So I. For Cody and I, like I, I, thank you for coming out tonight and just chatting with us about it. We're yeah. gonna, Cody, we're gonna make up a part two, right? Yeah, we're gonna, we, we got to do part two. Um, for, we had, te- you can tell the some, audience, we had some serious technical difficulties at the start of this, which limited our recording time and also limited Ian's presence. And uh, 
he has been incredibly kind and patient about that and uh we you appreciate have, that then. so much um but i guess yeah that's it for us this week and uh we will catch you next time thank you so much tia again uh cannot state enough how uh how grateful we are that you came out and we will catch you next time on the transect <laughs>